0: welcome to the final football fridays in georgia podcast here for the 2021 season and as we are taping this for the full review of the georgia high school football association tommy guillible football championships from center park it is a fantastic day here at GPB Sports and for the GPB family as our Hannah and her and her husband, John, are giving birth to their twins. So we have Cardboard Hannah here as a part of the process, and we have the Football Fridays in Georgia All-Stars here that will take us through the championships. All the games, all the winners, the 30,000-foot view from all of this, Cardboard Hannah there, John here, batting leadoff with us is the man, from 13 WMAZ in Macon, Marvin James, one of the integral sources for us here on Football Fridays in Georgia. We're going to talk Warner Robbins. So I guess, uh, Marvin, you would just want to go ahead and start us off? Uh, there you go. There yep. you go. Now let's get moving. All right. So Warner Robbins did something, and you, I know, is the proud alum, so I guess we can meld this conversation to Mar- Marvin the alum and Marvin the, the sports anchor here. Mm-hmm. Doing something that Warner Robbins had never done Until this year, going back to back, that's mind blowing to me.
1: Yeah, it's pretty impressive. I mean, they have this this whole class, this whole last little streak has been they have a chance to do it for a long time. I mean, this is their fifth straight time going to state championship. That is also something that's never done. Um, But winning it back to back is, you know, obviously um, a really huge deal because they were able to finish the drill and to win it twice, and um, that's in, in no program. We haven't done it. The only time that's been done in Houston County has been Northside. Um, um, that's the other school, the blue school. Yes, the blue school. Thank you. Com- <laughs> under Coach Dix back in 2006 and seven, But um, just a great accomplishment.
0: Do the numbers even surprise you at times as to how prolific they've been offensively and how well they've clamped down on folks defensively and going back-to-back?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's just so impressive. I mean, you've been we got a chance to see this uh, for the past five years, just this new scheme that we've been going. Um, and, yes, we play fast. And I think that's the best way that people, when they always ask me, I was talking to some Calhoun friends of mine um, before the game, um, Christian and Christopher Lewis's parents. They were um, asking me, you know, we went to George Southern together, and they were like, well, well, how's Warner Robinson? I said, I just don't know. How, I mean, we just play fast. And, 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 and the same way we play on offense, we play on defense. It's just, it's really weird. And I don't try to, it's not a mask or anything that I try to hide about the way that they play. It's just, I mean, you've seen them. I mean, it's just a great description to see how they do it. Um, It's just really impressive. And, and yeah, and I think at the end of the day, when you look at the numbers, you just kind of say, wow, you know, this is, we're we're really watching something special.
0: When it comes to football in the Central Georgia footprint, I'm going to have you put your thinking cap on here for the final couple of minutes. Who mm-hmm. is your region MVP this year? Regardless of classification, it can be, you know, it can be someone like Fred Perry, or it could be someone else off the page. Who is your region MVP this year when it comes to high school football there in Central Georgia?
1: Oh, without a doubt, it's your Frederick Perry. I mean, this kid has done it on both sides of the football. I mean, he has literally from game one against Valska in that uh classic over at Mercer, he, he set the stage. And I mean it was it was so impressive. People were literally asking, now wait a minute, number six, is that the same kid from last year? I mean he just literally had a totally different season this year than he did last year. Offensively, um I don't think the demons really expected um, him to, to thrive as much as he had, because um, we you know we lost um, Jalen Rutherford, who went to the Air Force Academy, um, and then we lost Malcolm Brown later on in the season to an injury, and, and Fred Perry just continued to keep rolling. And I'm going to say something that's really huge around these parts, because we had a kid last year that graduated, he's playing for Liberty right now, four-year starter, named Ahmad Walker, mm-hmm. who was a bad boy, mm-hmm. and I saw him- all the way from elementary school to high school, Fred Perry made you forget that we had a kid. Named oh wow! Amaya. Because he was just that dominant on both sides of the football. Now Ahmad is still a legend here, and I mean, there's yeah. no disrespect, but it was just it just goes to show how much of an impact player that Fred was this season. It was just it was just very exciting, and you don't barely get that on both sides of the football. But he's one of those folk, folklore guys that you'll be saying. My God, you remember Fred Perry? <laughs> Fred Perry. That's he's going to say both names. It's going to be that way when you see it down the line.
0: All right. So, what are some of your other takeaways from the weekend? Now that we're on two minute warning.
1: Um, just watching. Just the. the I say the, the big elephant in the room. Mm-hmm. Um, biggest takeaway was the weather conditions um, that were there at at um, Center Park Stadium. Center Park did a great job. Um, it was very hospitable. It was great. Um, I, I just kind of hate to see anytime they're playing in the state championship um, arena in a game of that magnitude that you have to battle some conditions, the fog bowl on Friday, right? The rains on Saturday, um, Thursday, I wasn't there, but I was told it was one of the coldest days of the year in Georgia. So, I mean, you just had to go through so many things. The sun did break Saturday for a minute, but um, that was in between rain delays and lightning delays. But I, I don't know what the answer is, and I don't pretend to think that money is not an issue when you're talking about renting out the Mercedes-Benz, but um, I would like to see that there's some kind of happy medium that can get there with scheduling and, and just to give these kids and these parents uh, you know, an opportunity to watch, watch these great young men um, and women with the uh, cheerleaders to, to, to be able to participate in something um, without, without having to deal with the elements on, on that big of a stage.
0: Well, Marvin, as always, thanks for being a part of, A, Football Fridays in Georgia. Thanks for being a part of the podcast. Thanks for being a part of everything that we do up here in Atlanta. And thanks for being one of the great voices for the sport down there in central Georgia with you and Frank and Ben and everybody there at 13 WMAZ. Thanks for helping us out all season long. Thanks for being the great part of the sport that you are growing into the sport, growing up in the sport, and doing everything you guys do there in Macon. Thanks for hanging out with us and batting leadoff this week on the All-Stars.
1: Thanks, John. I love you, brother. Until Hannah, congratulations. Call me Uncle Marvin.
0: Batting second on the Football Fridays in Georgia All Stars, longtime play-by-play voice and friend of GPB, John Coon, hanging out with us. So, John, your assignment was let me let me try to remember this. It was what single A public since you got to see Brooks, right? So we'll start with that, right? Private, Pri- well, you had private and public since you got to right. see Brooks. So and then double A. All mm-hmm. right, so then let's talk. Let's start off with uh, single A public, Brooks County. They scored a lot of points.
2: Uh, doesn't surprise me, <laughs> not a bit in the world. Uh, when when Omari Arnold started uh, the way that he started, I mean, this kid is just unbelievable, and uh, it, he's absolutely one of the one of the premier backs that I've seen in a long time.
0: When you look at Maurice Freeman having been to the last game of the year, winning the title back in the 90s, and the long drought that was there, and finally getting a championship, I did not see anyone sit there and you know say anything about Maurice other than fantastic, glad that he finally got one.
2: Well, that's the kind of guy he is because you know he makes great decisions with great kids, and you know he's not. I've been one of those coaches that that typically is going to, you know, bounce around for a better job. He you know, he left for a little bit and came right back to his home and that, that's that's what the, you know, the tradition he established down there. So, yeah, it was great to see him be able to uh, get his state championship a second one and, you know, you won't miss I mean, you won't meet a nicer guy, I promise you that.
0: And at the same time, seeing the championship trophy being Buckled into a seatbelt and, you know, once again, following our lead sponsor, the Governor's Office of Highway Safety, making sure that trophies traveled safely in and around equipment. That thing made the tour this weekend.
2: Absolutely, and it'll make the tour all week long. I promise you that. Uh, you know, the, those guys just, just work hard down there, and I'm not saying that Irwin or anybody else doesn't work hard, but it's, it's a special place down there. And uh, you, as a football fan uh, of the Georgia High School Association, you've got to like that win, especially for Coach Freeman.
0: All right, double A. Let's talk about Fitzgerald and Thomasville. We knew that region rivals, it was going to be one of those knockdown dragouts. It was 15 8 last time. And it looked like Tucker Pruitt just wanted to sit there and say, I'm going to put my biggest guys on the line of scrimmage, and we're just going to mash for 48 minutes
2: and that's exactly what he did. I mean, he not only put the biggest on the line, he threw a couple extra backs back there and just uh, let's say go, you know, and see what you can do. It's going to be us against y'all. We're going to go mano a mano, and that's exactly what they did. And uh, Fitzgerald comes up, holds Thomasville. This was the, the biggest shock of the day. I mean, three possessions, nine plays, six yards in the first half for Thomasville. That's unheard of.
0: Absolutely crazy, and you cannot, once again, we talked about all these droughts. We mentioned the Brooks County drought and Maurice Freeman. 1948, Class C, and the trivia question was, Fitzgerald beat who in the semifinal to get to the championship game at uh, in, in Albany and, and uh, in Macon? To win in 48, and it was Thomasville at Albany Thomasville. Municipal. They beat them 7-6 in the semi in 48.
2: I know. It's crazy. It is absolutely crazy how that works out. And, you know, after you get six final losses, uh, including last year to Callaway, you, you were kind of, you know, just just kind of thought that this might be their year, you know, and uh, they got the 21 points they needed and then relied on their defense for the rest of the day.
0: Single A private. Let's talk about that really quickly. Once again, Trinity Christian put up massive numbers all season long. Didn't, you know, didn't shock anybody that they would do it again. Fantastic work by them knocking off PAC.
2: Yeah, David Dallas is is something special. I mean, you know, you you get a 65 yard touchdown pass to Aaron Gates, first play from scrimmage, and you know, it's pretty much you're thinking, uh oh, this is really could get ugly, and it did. I mean, 35 to nothing. Then Prince Avenue comes back, makes it a two score you know two score game. (sighs) That's about as close as they got because Trinity Christian just went ahead and just walked away from it from there. Man, you talking about loaded with talent? That is a team that is loaded, loaded, loaded. I would not want to be on their schedule next year either, or Prince Avenues because they return just about everything off of this final team.
0: And the Dallas family is going to be experiencing a lot of action next year because I think they're heading to one of the directional Michigan schools. I think it's Western next. Western
2: going to be Broncos next year. Go up there and uh, I don't know if they still row the boat up there or not, but they're going to be up there in Western Michigan and uh, be a Bronco. And they're getting two very good ball players, just not the quarterback. They're going to get the brother and when you get that brother you've got some good hands on yourself
0: john as always fantastic to hear your voice my friend thanks for everything that you do for high school football here in the state of georgia and thanks for being a part of the football fridays in georgia all-stars
2: hey it's always a pleasure my friend thanks have a great holiday
0: next up on the football fridays in georgia all-stars batting third who is your number three who's your favorite number three hitter christian
3: yeah, I got, I got a bone to pick with you because last week you said it was Freddie Freeman. No, it's, it's Chipper Jones. I just want Freddie Freeman money.
0: Ah, okay. So there it is. All right, so Chipper Jones with Freddie Freeman money batting third. Christian Gokel from ESPN Coastal. And your homework assignment was Benedict. And first and foremost, I saw the picture that was taken uh, on your social media where you were in the broadcast booth at what used to be Turner Field, now Center Park Stadium. And you had your moment of cool, and I thought that was a really cool photo.
3: Yeah, man. Just to sit in the box that so many other legends have sat in for so long. There, I had Turner Field people that I grew up listening to, riding in the car with my dad, listening to all those great Braves teams. That was, yeah, that was pretty special.
0: So Benedictine comes, uh, comes north to Center Park, and it was just once again what you've seen all season long. Not necessarily surprised by, but now the rest of the state got to see what Benedictine has been able to do all season against Carver Columbus in the championship game.
3: Yeah, and it was the usual cast of characters. It was Holden Gariner, Justin Thomas, and Zaquan Bryan with a little sprinkling in of Cam Edge there uh, on offense. You had both those guys, Justin Thomas and Zaquan Bryan, go for over 100 yards receiving in that game, and you had Holden Garner just put on an unbelievable performance in the state title game, 80% of his passes uh, for almost 400 yards and four touchdowns, and you got to see the full complement. I know Coach Joyner talked about this, of uh, – how fast BC can get in and out of formations. They may only run eight or nine plays, but they can get in and out of seven or eight different formations and hit you with those. So I'm, I'm glad the whole state got to see it. Cause it's been fun to watch all year.
0: What does this championship mean to the coast in general? Do you think?
3: I, I think it puts a little bit of a spotlight specifically from what Holden did at the quarterback position on just how good the quarterbacks are down here on the coast. Uh, because you have guys like Barry Kleinpeter over at Country Day. He's headed to New Hampshire to play quarterback. Jake Merklinger uh, is the name to keep your eye on. He actually had a Notre Dame visit, uh, the Calvary Day quarterback. There's some really special quarterback talent going down here on the coast. I think a lot of that has to do uh, with the seven on seven stuff that's going on and the different camps that these guys are starting to hit. But obviously, it has to do with the coaching as well. So, some. It's pretty special quarterback talent going on down here at the coast.
0: What about Benedictine repeating? What do you think the odds are of that?
3: Uh, I think they should be an odds-on favorite. I uh, Look at this talent that's coming back. Luke Cromenhawk actually played strong safety and forced a fumble, a uh, crucial fumble in that game. He's going to transition over now. Uh, as the starting quarterback. And he already has offers from Coastal Carolina and Florida State as a starting quarterback. as just a sophomore. And so he'll be back as a junior. He's a little bit more of a threat uh, in the run game as well. But Zaquan Bryant's back, 4A's leading wide receiver. He'll be back. Uh, there's some guys to watch as well. Ashley Edwards, the running back. He got hurt, actually broke his ankle mm. uh, the week before the season. And they finally got him worked back in into the playoffs. Uh, and He got some touches. But he's a really special back as well. And then there, there's a few other guys. I don't know if you remember Travis Blackshear yeah. uh, from back in his days at BC, His cousin, Thomas Blackshear, uh, is on the roster, was a freshman this year. I think he had two touches this year. One of them was a handoff. It went for 70 yards and a touchdown. And the other one was a blocked punt, and he picked it out of the air and took that back for a touchdown. So he was just a freshman he's going to be pretty special next year as well so they got and the two inside linebackers were both just sophomores this year so they got dudes all over the place I don't I would not be surprised if I'm hanging out with you again in December next year
0: so then with a minute to go with you and I here as you're batting third Danny Britt where does this championship put him in the pantheon of great high school football coaches in the state of Georgia surprisingly he doesn't get a lot of ink and he should.
3: Yeah, I believe he's got, I think he's close, crazy if I'm wrong, to around 150 uh, career wins now, three state championships. And I know he's not one who would ever want to think about legacy. He's already just focused on 2022. Right. But I think you got to start mentioning his name up there because prior to him getting to Benedictine, they were kind of an okay football team, mm-hmm. nothing special. And his goal is to turn them into a, St. Thomas Aquinas, a matter day, a St. John's Bosco. He wants to turn them into that level of a program. And I think what you saw this season was just the beginning. I mean, this is third state championship since 2014. So they're, they're building a dynasty down here in South Georgia.
0: Christian GoKel, ESPN Coastal, my friend. Thanks for hanging out with us on the Football Fridays in Georgia podcast. Thanks for hanging out with us on the post-game show on Football Fridays in Georgia, as you have dialing in from the coast. Thanks for being the integral part of our coverage all season, long as you are. Have a great holiday. We'll catch up with you soon.
3: Hey, thanks, Sean. I appreciate everything you guys do.
4: Batting
0: cleanup. It is a three-way dance, and it about it is about as virtual as it gets. Our tag team from columbus and wrbl tv jack patterson rex castillo i know that rex is planning to figure out how he can get to the texas san antonio bowl game and bowl season but we'll get to that in just a little bit guys thanks for hanging out with us on the football fridays and georgia all-stars as we talk about carver columbus on the western frontier
4: absolutely nelly it's a pleasure to be on with you is always all right I'm usa
5: champion utsa roadrunners by the
0: way, yeah, I see. I see how this beep, works. Beep. Yeah, there it is. All right, so, uh, Jack. First and foremost, let's talk about Carver-Columbus. It was a buzz saw. We had Christian Gokel from ESPN Coastal on just before you guys to talk about Benedictine. Jack, what about the season from Carver-Columbus?
4: Man, I I think I'll take the words that Corey Jordan told us after the game. Is that you see the season season as a success? You know, I mean, obviously it didn't end the way that they wanted it to, and you know they they honestly, you know, they feel like they let one slip away against Benedictine on Friday. But man, what a season! And I think this goes a long way to bringing Carver back to the prominence that they've been working so hard to get to. I don't think this is the last time you'll see Carver in Atlanta, especially now that they're going to be moving down to 3A. I think that this sets up well for Carver to make an extended run at the top of football here in the state of Georgia.
0: All right, Rex, so then let me ask you this. Carver-Columbus, and I think it speaks a lot to what Coach Joyner has built, Carver-Columbus got to the last game of the year by doing it a bunch of different ways. You had to do it in a grinder. You had to do it in a blowout. You had to make sure – that uh, you had to do it the way that you did. And I think that winning grinders, winning you know, games where you were in complete control, having to come back in some after you got punched in the mouth, I think it speaks a lot to what Carver Columbus has been building.
5: Absolutely. I think to face adversity in every way in every shape, form possible, uh, this team knows so much about grit, and that's what I think Carver has become. It's a team about that, yes, you're you're talented, but you have to grind. You have to embrace adversity, and, you have, and that way you can overcome it by leaning on each other and by w- winning it your way. Uh, Coach Cory Joyner went to Georgia Southern, and a lot of guys who are – former Eagles are grind-out, tough-out guys who are like, look, this is what we got, but we're going to make the best of it and we're going to excel because we're going to work harder than the other person across the line from us. And I think that's exactly what they showed uh, from every level of the playoff throughout the season and especially get the extremely talented B.C. team. I mean, after all, Holden Gurner is, is heading to Auburn. He's heading to the SEC. And, yes, there's SEC-caliber talent on the Carver roster, but th- that defense rolls up in so many different ways. And I think this team, as Jack mentioned, like the blueprint now is set in Carver. You know what to expect from a Carver program. And if you want to play for Coach Joyner, that's what it's going to take. So I absolutely think that 3A is definitely set up better for them, uh, numbers-wise with the, with the competition. But I, I'm so excited for the future of Carver.
0: All right, Jack, let's talk about the Western Frontier. Who is your region most valuable player, regardless of classification? Who made the most impact in your eyes this season in 2021?
4: You saw him in Atlanta. I, I I well I'll say this, you saw both of them in Atlanta. It's hard for me to just pick one. So for so it. I will give it to D J Riles and Flip Creedle. Like you saw them in Atlanta, you saw exactly why they were among the top players in the Chattahoochee Valley, regardless if you're in Georgia or Alabama, like those two, you know, just got the will to win their dogs. They fight, they fight and they fight. And you saw it all the way into the bitter end against Benedict on Friday night. And, you know, for for me, like there's that duo is just incredible. And they're going to go down in history in more ways than one, not just in Carver, but in our area.
0: All right, Rex. Without having to steal Jack's answers, uh, no, to, uh, repi- no repetition, and you can't go flip mode, activated part two here. But you,
5: you're killing me here. You're killing me here. <laughs>
0: who else is on? Who else would be on your list? Let's put it that way.
5: On my list, oh man, putting me on. Uh, oh my gosh. I mean, it, I have to go up to. Shoot, you guys are killing me with this one. This is what happens when Jack goes first. But um, I would, I think another uh, name or two with KD. kid was who was on his way to on his way to Vanderbilt, so he's obviously smart. Uh, I'm gonna have to say that you know he was an absolute X-factor, similar to what Flip was for to Carver. Was that we need something to happen, find KD and give him the ball, and whether he's returning kicks or he's he's finding, you give him an inch of daylight, which is your problem. I think Katie did an absolutely wonderful job. And, um, but golly, it just, Elijah is also another one, um, because to, to let DJ and Flip do what they do, you can't forget about the guys up front. And Elijah is heading to Alabama. So I think just the grind that he's done, and Coach Joyner talked about how there was a lot of times where Elijah's future was very much a question mark. The kid has disciplined himself, grinded, grinded to a point where he can now take his talents to the SEC and play for Coach Saban. That's amazing to me as well.
0: Okay, so Rex, it was Big Pritch, and who was the first name on your list?
5: K.D. Hutchinson from from Harris County, who's heading to Vanderbilt, like a guy who was a play just waiting to happen. He's not, If we went to Harris County and covered a game, it's going to be a Katie Hutchinson highlight. It's just that. Simple. He was
4: on the WRBL do not kick it to list, because if you do, <laughs> it's on you.
5: The consequences are your, your problem, that's how coaches lose jobs. Yes. Well,
0: no, don't don't kick it to KD. Don't kick it to KD. Well, guys, thanks for hanging out with us here on the Football Fridays in Georgia All Stars, giving us all the information from the Chattahoochee Valley all season long. Thanks for being the integral parts from everything here at GPB that you guys are, Rex. Both hands on the wheel, Jack. I know that you're heading toward basketball season and keeping an eye on your Shaw Raiders. Thanks for hanging out with us, guys, here on the podcast. We'll catch up with you soon.
5: Welcome love Georgia, see. Look, I listen.
4: Thank, thanks thanks Nelly and it's great to be a Shaw Raider.
0: Batting 5th in our lineup is Paige Dower the sports director W A L B TV down in Albany and Paige, what was your what was your homework assignment last week? It was double A and uh double A was part of it, wasn't it? Uh-huh,
6: double A and single A.
0: Double A single A, so that's where we'll go. Where do you want to start first? Do you want to go double A with a first title since 1948 or single A with Brooks County and a fantastic dude getting a title? I'll go dealer's choice with you.
6: You know what? Both of these games were phenomenal, but let's go ahead and just start with AA with Fitzgerald and Thomasville. That had a lot of exciting um, facets to it, so let's start there.
0: Region rivals. It was 15-8 last time for Thomasville, but Tucker Pruitt and we had John Coon, the longtime play-by-play voice of the Vidalia Indians, on a little earlier here in the show, and in looking at this game, it literally was Fitzgerald's going to put their biggest dudes out there. And they're just going to act like a bunch of road graders and bulldozers and just kind of clear the way. And that was how they kept Thomasville's offense from being off the field.
6: Definitely. Fitzgerald came in there and they played the game they wanted to play. They set the tone from the opening possession, the opening drive of the game. I think it took almost seven minutes, that first drive, obviously ending in that touchdown And taking six, seven minutes off the clock, I mean, Thomasville was immediately on their heels in that game. They didn't find their first first down until the third quarter. And, you know, as well as the Hurricanes offense played, it really was the defense, which is really no surprise, as that's been their strength all season, that really kept Thomasville out of this game and maybe even made Thomasville play a little desperate, which is why we saw those two interceptions that Shannon White threw in the second half. But it was a phenomenal game. It was exactly the way Fitzgerald wanted to play. They ran the ball down Thomasville's throat, and Thomasville just didn't have an answer. And, you know, maybe part of that was because Fitzgerald's been there four of the last seven years, so they know that state championship football is different than the regular season. It's different than the postseason. And they just came ready. They were excited, I think, to be the underdogs and, you know, be counted out early. And they just did not let up on Thomasville that entire game. It really was um, a phenomenal performance by Tucker Pruitt, you know, winning his first title as their head coach and like you mentioned, finally ending that long, decades long drought. It was uh it was a really exciting game to follow.
0: What was it like for you post game to catch up with folks from Fitzgerald knowing what this title meant to Ben Hill County?
6: Yeah, thankfully I had my sports anchor with me, Kyle, so he had to do the tough job and talk to <laughs> Coach Drake There you go. Thomas. But, um, yes, I was able to catch up with Tucker and, you know, just talk about what this championship game meant to him and getting to finally bring it home in front of all of those loyal fans. But I think the really special part is I also talked to his dad, Robbie Pruitt, who was also a longtime coach at uh, Fitzgerald before he left to go over to coffee. And you could just see the tears, you know, welling up in his eyes and just how proud he was of his son to finally be the coach that brings home that second elusive state title for the program and to see them embrace after the game and give them you know that father-son hug it really was just so special and you could tell that this championship really meant so much to them and for their players to finally have that gratitude and for it to finally pay off. You can just see how much they really are invested in this team and in this community, and it was it was great to see it pay off.
0: Before we get into single A, let me talk about Thomasville here a little bit. Fantastic season for Zach Grage and the Bulldogs. Obviously, it ends up a game short in the win column, but I would anticipate Thomasville once again next year is going to be chasing the last game of the year.
6: Oh, I think so. I mean, that's what was so surprising about this game. No one manhandled Thomasville all year long. I mean, maybe Coney County, but they have some injuries on the Thomasville side. But other than that, Thomasville dominated everybody they faced. This whole season was a gauntlet for, for them from playing Brooks County to Bainbridge, Thomas County Central, and they have the right guys on this team. They are a relatively young team. So I think they found the secret sauce to, to get them to the title game. And I would very much expect them to be in the conversation next year.
0: All right. Brooks and Irwin. A lot of folks knew that it was going to, or they thought it was going to be Brooks and Irwin when they looked at their brackets. It ended up being Brooks and Irwin, and this time Maurice Freeman gets the title.
6: Yeah. What a game this one was for our Southwest Georgia teams to open up with this one in the final four, be 56 to 28. I mean, what was going on in that game? I was laughing with Maurice afterwards, and I was like, all right, Omari Arnold had Five rushing touchdowns. He had over 300 yards. Mm-hmm. When's the last time anyone put up five rushing touchdowns? Oh, it only took a quick Google search to see that Omari Arnold had two other games where he put up five <laughs> rushing touchdowns this season. I mean, that man is a menace to his uh, to his opponents. It's insane. Um, but you know, they the whole season it was all about. Breaking the curse. This team really felt that they had a curse on them and they just could not get that second state title. And to always be losing to Irwin County, whether it was the regular season or the postseason, they were just tired of it. They did not want to lose another time. And I think, you know, having Amari Arnold in the backfield gave them all the dynamic uh, energy that they needed on offense. They had a great defense that made some really good plays. I think Irwin and Brooks exchanged a couple picks this pick sixes throughout the game. Um, but no, it was really exciting. And Coach Maurice Freeman, all season long, he's been walking around with this second-place token. And that really gave them the chip on the shoulder that they needed. And they went in there. They played the brand of football that they wanted to play. And Irwin kept pace for a little bit. It was close in that second quarter. But come third quarter, Irwin just did not have any answers. And Maurice Freeman was able to get his second-ever state title, which was also the program's second-ever state title. So you could just see how elated they were after the game to finally be able to bring one back to Quitman.
0: And at the same time, Irwin County quickly next year. This was a rebuilding year for Irwin. At least a lot of folks thought this was going to be a rebuilding year. You rebuild, you make it to the last game of the year. Expectations obviously very high for next season down in Osceola.
6: Yeah, I think if most teams could stay in are rebuilding and still be in the title game and be competitive for at least, you know, two, three quarters, I think that's a pretty good position to be in. But, yeah, again, this is a really young team. Uh, They've got great leadership in that program, and I very much expect them to still be in the conversation. I think they're going to be a dominant force for the next two, three years with all the young guys they've got coming up.
0: Paige Dower, Sports Director, WALB-TV down there in Albany. Thanks for being a part of the Football Fridays in Georgia. All-Stars, thanks for being uh, the integral part of our coverage that you have been all season long. We'll be catching up with you soon. Have a great holiday.
6: All right, thanks, John. Happy to be a part of it.
0: Next up, our voice of flag football. The voice of flag football here on Georgia Public Broadcasting and GPB Sports, Wiley Ballard, who got to patrol the sidelines. You, sir, I think were the busiest man in the entire building on the weekend. Thanks for coming on for the All-Stars.
7: Oh, I can't tell you how much fun I had this weekend, John. I mean, I was talking to somebody uh, yesterday after the championships were over and just discussing how special high school football is in the state of Georgia. And uh, just so special. And I'm eagerly uh, excited to see about the history and the way the history of flag football develops. The first two years have been a great success.
0: So we go from two championship games to three this year. And I thought that that was, you know, once again, it's part of the cool dynamic of it all because of COVID-19 participation was limited. You now had three championships and you and David were on top of all of it this year.
7: We were, there was a lot going on. I mean, you look at at, at the way it has grown. You went from uh, around 90 teams in 2020 to nearly 190 teams in 2021. And we got to crown three champions this year. There were a couple of returners from last year's state championships and On the flip side, we even saw a team win a state championship in their first year of having a flag football team. So it was a ton of fun from top to bottom.
0: So let's see, it was Southeast Bullock in an all-Bullock County final. It was Southeast Bullock knocking off the Portal Panthers, who made their second straight appearance in the championships. And you had uh, Hillgrove getting revenge from last year, losing to West Forsyth. They beat Marietta for the third time this year. And the other one escapes me. What was the middle game?
7: Oh, we had Dodge County and Lithia Dodge Springs County, there you go. That was the, the multiple yes, yes,
0: yes, 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 the multiple overtime game. You can't have flag football without an overtime game here on GPB. But, you know, once again, great performances across the board. Great to see Eastman get a championship. Great to see <laughs> the folks in Brooklyn get a championship at SEB. And Lauren Render. Lauren Render, for me, has been one of the best finds in flag football, not just this year, but for the last two for Hillgrove.
7: Well, Hillgrove, as you mentioned, you can't have a, a, state, a flag football state championship on GPP without overtime. Hillgrove was on the short end of the stick last year in what was the 6A, 7A final. They lost in double overtime to West Forsyth, but it wasn't Lauren Render's fault. She had two touchdowns, one interception in that game. And then this year, looking to pick up a, a state championship in her senior year, try number two, she outdoes herself. She gets two touchdowns again, three interceptions, mm. and one of those touchdowns was a pick six that gave Hillgrove the lead uh, early on in the first half. So you're talking about uh, a really special athlete. She's committed to Virginia Tech to go play women's lacrosse up in Blacksburg. She's an All-American in lacrosse. And, you know, I, I love what we heard from Coach Daniel Pinckney, who, by the way, had coached tackle football for close to 20 years here in the state. He uh, has launched Hillgrove's Flag Football State Championship. And he mentioned that Lauren Hillgrove is going to be a cornerstone for the foundation of Hillgrove Flag Football uh, for many, many years to come. And, you know, Coach Pinkney told me after the first season, uh, her junior year, he kind of assumed she wasn't going to come back and play uh, her senior year. You know, yet got a lot to focus on with lacrosse, and her future's kind of set, and the you know, OK flag football was, was a fun uh, activity for one year. Uh, well, Lauren crossed him in the hallway back in May <laughs> of this past spring and said, rumor has it you don't think I'm coming back. And let me tell you, I am playing football, and we're going to win uh... state. And lo and behold, uh, seven months later they pull it off with uh, an exciting win over their local rival Marietta.
0: Two-minute warning with you. Let's talk about tackle football for two minutes. What are some of your highlights from the weekend patrolling the sidelines and calling games on the radio?
7: Well I'd, I'd first say Omari Arnold and I'm sure that's been the answer for almost anyone you ask. Uh, his performance over 300 yards rushing breaking Herschel Walker's uh, single game state championship record for Brooks County and to do it for a school that uh, had won one in nearly 30 years and uh, you know, to get it done for, for Coach Maurice Freeman and, and so on and so forth. And that was an emotional night uh, on Thursday night in the, in the 1A public final. Uh, don't forget about Jamar Graham, too, mm-hmm. for Cedar Grove. Uh, five passing touchdowns. Uh, he was a ton of fun to watch, had a chance to call that on radio. And then sort of wrapping up, to see the way that Travis Hunter and Sam Horn closed out their careers as a 7A championships. Uh, spoke with, uh, Coach Gregory, and he just discussed what they have meant to that program. They've changed the entire culture of Collins Hill. That was a team that went 2-8 and eight in 2016, hadn't advanced past the first round uh, up until last year in 2020 under Coach Gregory, went to the finals, and to see Sam Horn and, and Travis Hunter complete that, uh, that dream finish that so few get to experience, uh, that had to be the highlight. I'm not just saying that because that meant I got to go to bed after that last game. <laughs> <laughs> you going
0: to bed, me going to Waffle
7: House. Wiley, thanks for yeah, uh,
0: being a great part of everything here at Georgia Public Broadcasting all season long. Thanks for thanks for putting up with me. Thanks for putting up with everything with Football Fridays, postgame shows, and being a part of the championships that you are, my friend. Thank you for everything this season. We'll catch up with you soon.
7: Nelly, it's always a dream come true to cover Georgia high school football as a local native. I uh, can't tell you how much I enjoyed it. Talk to you soon. And we finish up with the Football Fridays
0: in Georgia All-Stars by bringing in our All-Star, the voice of Football Fridays in Georgia and the GPB Championships. It is Matt Stewart. Matt, I guess you want to go from 30,000 feet and just kind of give your overall observations from the weekend?
8: Yeah, I mean, I thought it was a fabulous state championship weekend. I thought, you know, by and large, all the games were competitive, although final scores on some of the games might not have – Seem that way at the end if you just picked up, you know, the old newspaper, if anybody does that anymore and looked at the scores. But they were all very competitive games. They all were compelling stories and had a lot of fun doing it. Uh, you know, it seems like six ages. There's something about that 6A game. And the back-to-back <laughs> years, just crazy nuts. Uh, Langston Hughes pushing Buford to the brink. And, you know, the Wolves for the third consecutive state championship that they've won, winning it at the end, although they didn't need overtime this time.
0: From a TV production perspective, I don't think uh, a lot of folks understand the difficulty of calling a game like that. And you and Wayne did a tremendous job of doing our version of Bears-Eagles from Soldier Field, kids. That's your that's your YouTube search for today, kids. Look for that one. And I have to give a shout-out to our crew at GPB at Center oh, yeah. Park to give you guys the best pictures they possibly could in some really trying situations.
8: Oh, there's no doubt. I mean, it was a challenge with the fog. I, I would say it was more of a challenge from a technical standpoint than it was – you know from my standpoint i appreciate you you know the compliment and everything but i got to give a shout out to our producer glenn diamond man they kept looking for the best shot and sometimes we were having to take you know behind the quarterback end zone shots because that was the best shot that we had because of the fog uh the you know the 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 traditional look from you know mid-deck there at the stadium looking down on the field just wasn't working for us. So we were having to do and improvise and do some things there to get the best shot uh, of, the, uh, of the game. They really did a great job. They did.
0: 7A was a coronation for Collins Hill, and I think coming out of the blocks, Milton did it right. They wanted to take the air out of the ball, and they brought in running back LT Overton from his, uh, his underclassman years to try to help things out. They choked the ball as best they could and kept it away from uh, Collins Hill in that first quarter, but they couldn't get any points out of it.
8: There's still one principle that always applies. You got to score. So you got it. If you ball control, you still have to score at the end of the ball control. Otherwise you're inflicting wounds to yourself because you just, you know, they opened the game with an eight and a half minute drive. That was great, but they didn't score. So, you run out of time. Uh, You got, I mean, if you ball control, you got to be able to score. So Collins Hill comes out, scores in four plays. You have to be able to counter that. Now Mm -hmm. you don't have to score in four plays. You can score in 15 plays, but ultimately you have to score. So while yes, Milton did have a sound game plan, the failure was getting points out of those long time consuming drives. So, uh, yeah, ultimately you still have to score. Whether you're scoring quick or scoring uh, the long route, you got to score. And they and they weren't able to do that. And I think one of the big stories, and I'm not saying this is Milton. I think this is everybody. Yeah, everybody underestimated Collins Hill's defense the entire year. Yeah. and I think I think in a lot of ways, and again, this is not Milton. This is everybody looked at Collins Hill and said it's Travis Hunter and Sam Horn, and never gave that uh, team the do it was due until at the end when they completed a, a you know a, a dominating season they just went through 7a the best and best classification in georgia one of the highest brands of high school football in the nation and did not win a game by less than two touchdowns the whole year playing some of the best teams In the country. And I think in the end, they were still, and I think that was reflected in Lenny Gregory's comments to you down on the field in the trophy presentation that, you know, all the way up until the end, people were doubting this Collins Hill team Mm. and uh, they left no doubt. (laughs) They left no doubt. Their defense was dominating, they proved they were much more than just Sam Horn and Travis Hunter
0: and then in triple a before we head on to silly season and recruiting really quickly Cedar Grove once again putting up big numbers but a fantastic season for coach miles and Carver Atlanta
8: well I've joked I mean that that Cedar Grove program is amazing it doesn't miss a beat next year I'm going to coach the team to a state championship so (laughs) So
0: are you gonna you gonna wear an (laughs) IFB on the sidelines and a headset and kind of do it like (laughs) arena football
8: yeah, so no, I'm I don't wanna take anything away from what Coach Adams did. I mean they they've got a great program going there and all those coaches have come up through it. Like the players, they've come up through it and they and they just keep keep churning out victories and they were dominating and Fitzgerald was a great story winning it since nineteen uh, first time since nineteen forty eight and the Benedictine and Carver Columbus game was just a spectacular Shootout, and you know, one of Robins. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. And and Dr. Hines said it right when he spoke to Marquise Westbrook there at the trophy presentation, and said, "You brought him back to the glory days, and he has. In fact, he's done something that no one uh, of Robins' team had ever done, and that's win back to back. Yeah, they've now won back to back." So he has reestablished the glory days in that one of Robbins program. They are the preeminent and dominant team in middle Georgia. Well, they are in the state in 5A, but as far as geographically and regionally in the state of Georgia, they are the team to beat in middle Georgia.
0: Silly season has already gone up and running, and we've had some big names come and change places. Josh Niblett comes over from Hoover to take over at Gainesville. Justin Rogers moves from Colquitt to go to Thomas County Central. I mean, silly season is already off and running because, because of course, 2021 has just ended, which means we got to start talking about 2022.
8: And Bobby May goes to Kel. Right. There's going to be and there's going to be more. I mean, every year. What's the What's the rate? Is it like a third of the jobs, or at least twenty five percent of the jobs? The 20, turn over? Yeah,
0: twenty five percent is high. Usually, it's eighteen to twenty two percent. Yeah.
8: Yeah. So what? How many programs do we have in the state? Four hundred plus.
0: Jobs? So you're looking in the mid eighties. So, yeah.
8: Yeah. So we look at anywhere from eighty to one hundred job changes every year, uh, and you know, a lot of that is there's just so many different reasons. It's not just one reason, you know, sometimes a coach is looking for, you know, something different. Uh, You know, a program is looking for that bump up. It's not necessarily because anybody's done anything wrong that the job has opened up, but sometimes it's, you know, it's the old, you know, it's the old argument. You don't win, you don't keep your job, but yeah, I mean, I expect we're going to see some more. It'll be interesting to see, you know, but we already had some pretty big shoes to drop the niblet to Gainesville Gainesville trying to, you know, I think in, if I'm not mistaken, you know, well, Gainesville's already back up in seven A, so um, that is correct. And so they're they're swimming in deep waters, and so they're trying to get themselves the, a shark to help them swim in those deep waters. And Niblett certainly has the resume from Hoover and uh, and Shark, I mean, a, a, in a good way, not a bad way. And Bobby Bobby May going to Kell, and that's a, you know that's a Kell program that opened up because. You know, they just never quite lived up to the What I'm, – I'm guessing the people, in Kel, they look around, they're like, you know, we, we probably could be better than this. Yeah. And, and that job opened up, and, and Bobby Mays had done a spectacular job at Westlake. It'll be interesting to see what he does at Kel. Mm-hmm. And, and Justin Rogers going to TCC, you know, cross down Team Thomasville, gets back to the state finals. That means pressure's on right? Yeah. You know, the, the, the team that the team here in the County with us has gone to the state finals. We got to pick it up. So TCC goes and makes a big hire. So it'll be interesting to see what happens.
0: And our season's not done. We've got recruiting 2021. We have early <laughs> signing day midweek. So like I said, it's already 2022 for us, isn't it?
8: It is. It is Uh national signing day show on Facebook live on Wednesday at five o'clock, you know, like I sent in an email today, where you know we start talking about the show. Our number one story on Wednesday, unless something extraordinary happens, will be uh, what did Travis Hunter do today? So did he complete the did he complete the Florida State commitment that he said he was going to complete, or is there a, a massive flip? Uh, that'll be the number one story. I I think he's signing with Florida State, and uh, there'll be other stories, and we're hoping to do a lot of Zoom interviews with players and coaches, and it should be fun.
0: Well, as always, Matt, thanks for hanging out with us as being a part of the Football Fridays in Georgia All-Stars. Thanks for being the part of GPB Sports that you are, my friend, and I will see you soon, sooner than soon, because we got recruiting to talk about. Big thanks, as always, to Matt Stewart for helping us bring our coverage home here at Football Fridays and at GPB Sports. Big shout out to everybody here at Georgia Public Broadcasting that makes this show what it is all season long. Specifically, Jake the Snake, King James, uh, the Outlaw Jesse, and uh, obviously we could not have done this show without Commander Sandy helping us all the way through. Uh, is everyone's mic open? Can everyone open their mics simultaneously here to close things up?
6: Can you hear you could probably hear us most, most of us if James shouts, I think.
0: There you go. But no, I just I just wanted to thank each and every one of you guys for everything that you guys have done this season in putting up with me and cardboard Hannah all season long. At least cardboard Hannah in this episode, but Hannah and me all season long with all of our schedules and getting everything done. I just wanted to give a shout out to you guys for everything that you guys do. And uh, it's next been a blast. next it's been me, next meal is on me. By the way, uh, Waffle House is on me now that the season is over. And uh, it's really not over because recruiting is just around the corner. You've got early signing day, and then we're back at it. We're not done done. We'll be back in 2022 with some things, with some great topics and some deeper dives as to what's been going on here in the state of Georgia. But once again, thanks to Commander Sandy, to to the Outlaw Jesse, to uh, King James and Jake the Snake for making this show what it is every single week. Thanks to the Football Fridays in Georgia All-Stars for hanging out with us again. Marvin James of 13 WMAZ and Macon, John Kuhn, the play-by-play voice of Vidalia. Christian GoKel, ESPN Coastal. Rex and Jack tag-teaming on a three-way dance from our friends at WRBL-TV in Columbus. Paige Dower, the sports director, WALB in Albany. Wiley Ballard and Matt Stewart from those of us here at GPB. So, humbly submitted. That is a football season done. I'm just John. Play safe, everybody. Enjoy your holidays. We'll be back before you know it.